to football supporters around the world, and especially here in Thailand, welcome to the Portcast Podcast, with news, views, and profiles of the supporters of Thai Port FC, or as they say in Thai, Tarua FC. And now, here's your host, arguably the most knowledgeable Port FC supporter this side of Janet the Hutt, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Earl! Oh my word. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, second Zone F interview since our return from a, a year-long sabbatical. And today we're talking to former media professional, Toby Knight. <laughs> Good afternoon, Tom. I, I'm trying to big everyone up when I do my interviews. As Peter was the uh, Scandinavia's foremost expert on, on Thai football. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and you well, are a media professional. Yeah, in a past life, I, I, I was based in media. Not anymore, but uh, yeah, I'll take that as an intro. Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me uh, onto this podcast and also uh, into your beautiful home as well thank you very much we've got our port regalia on the walls mm. so we don't forget uh, we don't forget what we're here for neither of us have actually put any any or no one can see us so there's no point i always feel naked uh doing this yeah i haven't even got out my pajamas yet so <laughs> <laughs> so uh right let's get into it what uh non-tie teams do you support uh first and foremost i'm an arsenal fan that's through uh, family connection. My father uh, was an Arsenal fan. My mother was a Spurs fan, so it could have gone either way. Are you from North London? Yes, yes. Born uh, Primrose Hill, which is uh, the posh part of Camden, you could say. So near Islington, uh, closer to Highbury than White Hart Lane. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so I've been a fan since uh, late 80s, around 88, 89, Michael Thomas season. Uh, I'm also uh, a fan of a club in Spain called CE Europa. They're based in Barcelona. I lived there for three years before I came out to Bangkok. And What level of the Spanish pyramid do they play? They at? are the third division, Group 5. So, when oh, you... so that's a regional... Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a local club. Uh, and uh, yeah, they play in the region of Catalonia so you know away days aren't really far uh, I mean by default anyone who goes to Barcelona becomes a Barcelona fan but uh, I just found it very boring to be a Barcelona fan you know it's it's like being a New York Yankees fan or a, I don't know a, a Buriram fan if you come to Thailand and you know even though you had the perfect excuse you were in Barcelona you could have chosen to support them you are obviously a football hipster at heart <laughs> choices based on on like community when it comes to that i mean i do support barcelona in el clasico and i do want them to be successful it's a great city uh my parents retired there now and you know the city's very close to my heart i thought about becoming an espanol fan they're the second team but whilst i was there i found out their fans were pretty racist uh Mm -hmm. they played uh barcelona and they were very racist to neymar and uh that that turned me off and Europa is just a, a local team in the north of the city. And, you know, for, for 10 euros, you get some honest football. The president used to uh, 
manage the bar so you could get your chorizo sandwich and your and your pint off of him. Excellent. Uh, they 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 they're not the best team, but definitely uh, closer to my heart than uh, Barcelona would ever be. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun going there. Kind of same reason why you know I, I chose Paul. It's it's the experience, not just just the football, isn't it? And so obviously you've watched um, Arsenal many times at at Highbury and, and the Emirates, yes, I assume, yeah. and you've seen Europa in their in their home stadium. Where else have you watched live football? Been to any other countries? Uh, yeah, I mean, with 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 Arsenal, I've I've, I've been all over Europe. Uh, watching them, I've watched. Uh, well, I, t- I try to find a game if I'm abroad. I remember going to see Bordeaux against Lyon in the Champions League quarter final. That was uh, that was a very good experience. Uh, not really international teams. I don't like. Fo- I, I mean, I support England, of course, and I, I look out for Thailand, but I don't really feel compelled to to go into anything like that. Uh, Any particular experiences that stand out from your trips abroad to watch football? Well. I t- one of the reasons I brought up the Bordeaux Leon uh, is because it was a terrible game of football. It was it was I think nil nil or one one. It was the second leg of of the knockout stages of the Champions League, and I think Leon, yeah, that's right. Leon went through two one. It was one one. Not not a great game. Maroon Chamac was playing for uh, Bordeaux at the time. He went to Arsenal. And I, was, yeah, I was going to say, uh, can, name can rings Can I use profanity? Absolutely. He was dog shit. He was absolute dog shit. But uh, what I vividly remember at the end of the game was that the entire crowd in unison rose to their feet and applauded and there was like, bravo. You know, it was like being at the opera. Wow. You know, and like, like and, and even though the performance wasn't good, I, I was very impressed with how they all uh, stood up and 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 kind of showed their support hmm. uh, uh, for that. That was a, a very interesting thing. When, when I've watched football in Spain, uh, and I've been to a few of, I've, I've seen Sevilla in the past. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I haven't seen anyone in the Basque country, but they're passionate, but they have a lot of uh, apathy to hmm. certain things. Yeah. You know, I remember when that seems to run through the uh, the kind of. Mediterranean, the Southern European exactly. football culture. I, I can remember the first year living in Barcelona and Atletico Madrid won the league and they won it at the new Camp and they were celebrating Barcelona because they didn't want Real to win it. So they were happy <laughs> to lose to the champions on the final day of the season. And I've seen this with Europa. Last year we wanted our, our rivals not to go to the playoffs. So our final home game <laughs> of the season, we cheered, well, I didn't cheer, the, the, the Catalans cheered the opposition. Uh, for me, I know. For me, that is go, well, it goes completely against uh, being a football supporter. And so, you know, it's interesting when you go to other parts of the world and and, and you see how they approach games. You know, I, I can remember last week telling a group of my students about in England we don't change teams. You know, the idea of me becoming a Spurs fan because they're finishing higher than Arsenal is is just. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. But, you know, for Thai people, it's it's very easy for them to change their team based yeah. on performance. Based on performance, but there are also other variables involved with that. I mean, we've been, in the last few weeks, several teams have ceased to exist. Yeah. And it's such a shame. So, I mean, if you're in Chiang Mai, for example, Chiang Mai just rebranded one of their teams, and it looks like the other team might... Uh, cease to exist in the near future 
So what do you do if you're in that situation? Mm. You almost have to change, and you almost have to change to your biggest rivals. Mm. Yes. Like, which is insane. Yeah. But, but that's what, what are the options you left with. This doesn't happen in Europe. Well, it very, very rarely happens. Completely. There, there is a strong feeling of evolve or become extinct over here. I mean, I live very close to the Army Stadium, and I know they've had their troubles. I don't know what the final outcome is. They're, are they... They're taking Air Force. Well, at first they were going to move to Lotbury where they have a big army base. And then since Air Force ceased to exist, as you say, they were thinking about going to Air Force Stadium. I don't think they've made up their mind yet. Probably another two or three teams will go defunct before (laughs) before anyone decides what to do. It's it's a shame about Realm because I really like their stadium. I thought uh, even though the game we went to this season was frankly terrible when it brought about Jadette's demise so it did have some kind of silver lining I I, I thought it was a great European style stadium Uh, it's a shame we can't visit that one anymore do you know the latest on on the Rayong situation give it to me so PTT announced yesterday the company PTT Mm. that they were going to sponsor or they were going to be involved in some way with Rayong FC sure (laughs) so So maybe they end up becoming the main sponsor of the team. Maybe the stadium comes back into play. I don't know. They've already started renovating the old stadium. So, but PTT, anyway, have announced that they are going to be involved in some capacity and wait for further news was, was the gist okay, so of it. They're leaving, they're leaving everyone on tenderhooks, basically. Yeah. But, there's, but there's going to be some kind of connection between them and the Rayong team in T1 next year. I, I love how this happens in the space of like, you know, six to eight weeks over here. Whereas like, you know, if something like this happened in, in Europe, I mean, think about what happened to Wimbledon and the Milton Keynes dance and stuff and that gradual over time thing. I mean, here they just pull, pull the rug from under you, don't they? And, and you, you have to adapt. And the, the owners must know a long time in advance what they're going of to course, do yeah but they yeah they wait until the last minute or after the last minute before they tell anyone that, that's really rough on the fans that is well this is something I, I i i didn't expect when i came to time that how much power and how visible the owners are i mean our benevolent benefactor madam pang is is plastered everywhere i mean if anyone's listening to this podcast uh, and they're not in Thailand. Uh, the chair chairmen and chairwomen are everywhere. They are the leading figures. Whereas in a European team, they would take much more of a back seat. You know, you normally normally you would have the eccentric chairmen of a few like uh, teams. Uh, I can remember one guy at Bradford a long time ago being that kind of like big pompous northerner kind of guy. You know, but when someone when a Western owner does interfere in any way with the team, that's news. In yeah. Thailand, it's every team every week. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, without any exceptions, really. Um, there have been two good articles I've read about this recently. Actually, Paul Murphy wrote a very good piece about um, the culture of Thai owners, uh, talking about Nguyen in particular and, and Madame Pang, obviously. So that was quite interesting. I'd recommend reading that. And there was a really, uh, one of the Man City players, uh, is it Michael Ball? Was he an ex-Man yeah. City player? He he went on a podcast and talked about the time Taxin was in charge of Man City, which was not very long. It was about a year and a half before he, he sold it on to the current owners. And uh, he talks about a situation where Taxin came into the dressing room before a game and did a, a team talk, which is what <laughs> every 
Tyona does before every game, pretty much. And he was saying that all the players were looking at each other, trying not to laugh, like trying not to giggle. Yeah. <laughs> to, them, to them, it's completely alien and insane. I, I, but to Taxin, it would have been completely normal. I, I guess, and this, I think, speaks general, generally for Thai culture, that that kind of uh, authority automatically gives you some kind of experience and right to do things. And, you know, that that's completely alien to Western culture. I don't think... I don't think Taxin was trying to do something uh, bad. There. No, not but, at all. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Kundicha, when he was uh, alive, probably did something on a similar, in a similar vein with Leicester. But uh, how far you want to push it, I think, is is the question, really. And it's, and it's only ridiculous if you're losing or if you're not doing well, if you're underperforming. If you're winning, then it's genius. Yeah, <laughs> so, so whatever Vijay did, it wouldn't be considered wacky so much because... He won a league with well, a team who could never win a league. <laughs> completely. I mean, I mean, compare you know, like Madden Pang's like team talks. And I'm making the inverted commas sign here because you know she does give the team talk a lot of the time before kickoff to someone like say, remember Delia Smith coming out with that? Let's be having you. And yeah. She got ridicule, ridicule. Yeah. Even Another that. situation where so, where Western owner does that. It's it's massive news. We've been talking about it for years. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get. Serbian uh, 
Uh, he scored first. So this was the season after we were promoted. Yes, this yes, is in yes, T1. Yes. Back yeah. in the big time. Back yeah. in the big time. And 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 I just remember the place like going off when he scored. He did a knee slide to the corner. Yeah. Um, and then and then we were two one down. I think Suicorn scored a rocket as well, and the place erupted. And it finished three two to Paul. But you know, like I was saying earlier, for me, football is not just about the game; it's the experience and. I, you know, I loved it. You know, people had already told me that Krongtoy was a very poor area and maybe I should avoid it uh, if possible. But weirdly, my life here uh, has been kind of, uh, you know, it's, has, a lot of it's been based around Krongtoy. I've been a school teacher in the neighbourhood, you know. I'm of course, really, you were just around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sacred Heart and uh, their youth teams. They're, they're very young youth teams. They train uh, at, at that school. And, you know, my, my job takes me uh, to Krongtoy. Uh, I, I teach on Rama 4 a lot. And my offices are on uh, Soy 16, or my old job. I've left it now. And I just found myself, my, my life being kind of entwined with, with it. And, uh, I mean, all these people who told me never go to Krongtoy are just wrong. Uh, they're some of the friendliest, uh, most honest and genuine people. I found when I bought my, my first port shirt, that was when everything really changed and ties come up to you and they want to talk to you they were they want to pinch you or like i'm just like like they're not very tactile people ties you know so you know just touching a shoulder is enough uh for them you know and i i found that a lot of things changed i think i mean i probably remember seeing the sandpit guys or you guys there i i don't think really it took about half a season to, to build up the confidence and actually, yeah, introduce myself. Really, I met John at a local party uh, in my neighbourhood and I had one of uh, Nick's human attire ports, uh, one of his Kong Toy t-shirts. I bought that even though I didn't know who Nick, I, I just felt like I need to contribute, I wanted a t-shirt. And Dom saw the t-shirt and came over and started talking to me and that's how I kind of became more part of the Falang contingent. But, uh, it just snowballed from there. I mean, for me, there's no better way of spending a Saturday afternoon or evening than at the football. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's just a lot of bloody fun, really. <laughs> and uh, the experience, you know, I've been bringing friends who visit from, from Europe and I try to take them to games. And I, I can't think of anyone who said that's terrible or this place is disgusting, you know, full of poor people or I don't want to be around here and stuff. People actually kind of immediately get what Port is as a football club and as part of the community. And that, that's the vital thing here. So is there a specific moment when you would say Port became your club, where you became a Port fan? Or is it is it like instant? I mean, a lot of people say that. Was, yeah, I think it was instant, that trip uh, to see the first game. I, I, I felt like, you know, this is something I, I want to do again and again. Uh, I didn't know much about the team. And, you know, when I learned that this team at the time was a bit of a yo-yo club and uh, don't expect too much, you know, that really didn't matter. I mean, I know I've been an Arsenal fan and, and when I was a teenager and in my early 20s, I was incredibly lucky to, to witness the Wenger or the good part of the, of the <laughs> Wenger era. You know, I was there for the Invincibles. I went to, you know, Champions League final in Paris. I, I went to all these FA Cup finals. And that was great experience. But sometimes football's a bit more than that, isn't it? Sometimes it's just about, you know, the, those little moments. And, I mean, 
port as a football club now is punching massively above its above its weight. It's grown exponentially. So I sometimes I, I, I wouldn't say necessarily that it's punching above its weight. Um, I mean, wow. financially, it's putting the money in. Mm. It's putting the money in, and that's all it takes. I mean, we we have a pretty decent uh, supporter base compared to other teams. We don't like in that in that department. We have a rich owner. We're putting money into the team. I, I'd say we're just about where we're supposed to be at the moment, considering what we've spent. I would say we're behind on a kind of setup and facilities level. Definitely. I, I think that's the. I think it doesn't matter about the money and the players if we can't match it with the 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 infrastructure within the club. I mean, we know what the club gym looks like. We know like what the facilities are like, and and they're frankly terrible. You know, they're on a par with. You know, like a, a conference team back home, or even a Sunday league team. You know, so I see like back oh, home. Yeah, you know, sometimes these teams get like massive investments now. These non-league teams, and, and, and we're lacking behind that. But the thing is, is do we want to extract ourselves from from the pack and and, and try and build somewhere else in, in the neighbourhood, hopefully? But and I think the answer to that would be no. A unanimous no. Absolutely not. No. I mean, this leads us on perfectly um, talking about Pat Stadium. How do you rate Pat compared to other grounds you've been to in Thailand? <laughs> uh, I, I think... Okay, let's stop laughing. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the Pat has its own unique charm. You know, it on, on its day, it's rocking, uh, you know. Um, Unfortunately, literally, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 uh, so see, uh, has its own issues. It's great because that's what makes it so intimidating, you know, uh, we have no running track, uh, zone D especially, you know, you can be on top of the keeper, uh, mentioned no names apart from Cunningham, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, that, that works in the club's favour, I mean, I, I guess a lot of players don't like playing port away, because they know they're in for a torrid afternoon. I mean, no one likes being shouted at or screamed at and called names, much less by, you know, six, seven thousand people. And, you know, we're, we're a great, great, like, bunch of supporters. We're, we're intense. We get on people's backs. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that's one of the things I love about the club. The stadium, of course, needs a, a hell of a lot of work. But, you know, there, there, there's, there's many questions about that. Do we want to change that? Will we lose, like, like something? By, by, by changing stadium or rebuilding the stadium? Well, if you were in charge in, in a, a mad hypothetical of revamping Pat Stadium, of improving Pat Stadium, how would you go about it? What would you change? I, I, would, I, would, just, I would just rebuild the stands, really. I think we don't need to increase... B, C and D, I guess you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I would kind of make it like a bowl... Like, like a kind of, like a, you know, Boca Juniors, La Bombonera, like that kind of sign. Build, build it so it's a little bit curved around. Just add another 87,000 seats. <laughs> yeah, three, yeah, three times will do. Yeah. No, no, I think, I think the stadium needs to be better. Uh, but the problem is how, you know. I, I, you know, no one has a magic wand. Pang doesn't have a magic wand. I mean, this talk that we're getting the stadium ready for the AFC uh, competition is just it's just laughable well it's the really annoying thing about that is this would be the perfect time for us to to invest in our stadium we've got we've got the perfect excuse but if we want to change the stadium to meet AFC standards 
we're actually just going to make it worse. Or, or the improvements that would need to be made aren't being made for the fans, mm. right? They're being oh, made yeah. for AFC. And AFC standards involve not drinking on match days. You know, like, there is no alcohol at any AFC games. Outside the stadium, we in, like, in the stadium, outside the stadium. Well, that's fun in that. It's mad. And, and when you look at the things that they require for a, a stadium to pass the AFC test, whatever that is, is, you know, it's about, like, the medical room. It's about the press area. Sure. It's about, we don't care about that rubbish. You know, like, a bit of journalists would rather come to Pat Stadium than sit in Tamasat Stadium yeah, or something. In, you know? in the higher echelons of football administration, they're... They, they, they're just not realistic anymore. They just have these guidelines, these standards, and, and it comes from the top. It comes from FIFA and it filters down. I mean, we we are the club of Klomtoy. We should never leave that neighbourhood. And, you know, touch wood, we won't. But, unfortunately, we also have this kind of, like, modern football is pulling us into the future. And I don't think we should go along with it, really. I think Pat should should stay the Pat. I think if we rebuild, we rebuild on that ground, and we don't have to. You know, I, I don't know how long it takes to build uh, a stadium. Well, <laughs> there's the Futsal Stadium, which is lying in a, <laughs> in a terrible state at the moment. But uh, it's it's still possible to improve the club facilities, the stadium, and keep its identity. And I think I think that's that that's the vital thing here. And, uh, but unfortunately, if certain people you know want to implement this idea of modern football at, at, at Port, then I think we'll lose something. Potentially, we'll lose the stadium. That would be a sad day. That that is something that would make me want to question supporting Port more than poor players or a poor coach or things like that. Yeah, we we. Got into this a little bit with uh, with Peter in the last podcast. I think one of the things that we should be most careful about not losing is the vendors outside. Mm-hmm. I, I think the vendors absolutely make the experience. They're, they're such a big part of it. Completely. The food and the, the drink and all of that. It's funny, where, where the club fails, they step in. So it, it's yeah. all about little port products, whether it's like uh, novelty scarves, T-shirts... Things to put on your head, uh, stickers to put on your yeah. face, or Dragon Boscovich badge, or yeah. something like that. I I think they are the unsung heroes. Uh, you know, Screamer selling the beers, uh, the guy with the gammy leg who turns up at every away day. I don't know who's giving him a lift, but wow, I, I applaud him. People like Nick as well, the Ultras. Uh, they are the lifeblood of the club, and that's what I was talking about. The experience. I mean, you talk about the sellers outside. I vividly remember, like, outside Highbury, there used to be this old, fat old man selling peanuts. He must have... My first game at Highbury was in 1989, and he was still out there. Last time I went to the Emirates a few years ago, and, and all he does, he just stands there going, Peanuts! <laughs> and he's been doing that. He's probably been doing that for decades. Yeah. I don't know how many peanuts he sells. I don't really care, but he's out there, and you hear that sound, and it's almost reassuring, you know? Like, like the two screamers, you know, like, like you know, the, the, all the chanting outside. You see things and, and they're kind of like, you know, they, they, they kind of bring you back. Like they, they, they kind of give you that, uh, that warm feeling, you know. I mean, I, I get very nostalgic when I think about my early days as a football supporter and stuff. Because, it, it, you know, and I, 
not to sound too, too stupid, but you know, football even like 20, 20, 30 years ago was completely different. At the start, and, and I'm not just, you know, I'm t- not just talking outside the stadium, I'm talking about on the, in, in the pitch, you know. When I, when I first became a fan, you could pass the ball back to a keeper. You know, no. that, that's one of the most revolutionary rule changes. It, it, it made defenders have to be faster, quicker, more alert. You couldn't just play an easy ball back. I mean, the football was, was terrible. And it's so slow. If you go onto YouTube and watch games from, from the 80s and 90s, it's, it's you know, lots of cloggers. It's, it's a brutal game. Mm. I mean, you, you still see it in some teams uh, now. But, uh, I mean, Mourinho always has some hard men in the middle and stuff. And a few other... Uh, Pochettino likes a few ball-playing hard men as well. But, uh, you know, back then it was a completely different different experience. And at least outside the stadium at the PAP, you still have that feeling of familiarity, you know? I think, and, and, that, and that's key. You know, I know people who go to PAP and, you know, they don't go into the stadium. They, they just sit outside and soak it all up. And, you know, so what? Yeah, I, I still believe they are supporting their... They're, they're paying their money to the people. A, a lot of them buy a ticket as well and just sit out there. <laughs> no, I, I have friends who've done that. Let's be honest, the tickets are peanuts. That's, that's one of the kind of like best things about Thai football. If you're near a game, you can go and get a ticket on match day. I mean, this season things got like went a little crazy with the Buriram and the Wangtong game. Fine, uh, I understand that. But, you know, it's very accessible. It's a shame that don't advertise themselves more and say like do you want to see Thai Premier League football in Bangkok we're the only like downtown team and you know the club the club's media and marketing team aren't aren't ahead of the curve well, here the club don't have a media and marketing team well they've got someone making nice videos for their like, right, Facebook but, but they're mostly employees of Muang Thai of course of course who I, just come to help out basically yeah, I understand but you know you know something that that, that was posted on uh, the Sandpit thing uh, the, the revenues and, mm. and you know you could see our shirt revenue was half of like most of the other leading teams I think it was about a tenth of Buyarams yeah um, but that whatever you describe it as, that meme was just complete bollocks. Like, the numbers, there's no way anyone can have the numbers, and they were completely made up. But they were probably (laughs) relatively... No, 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 no. But they probably are relatively representative of the truth. They can't possibly be true, but they are are probably pretty representative of the truth. They look true, right? Which is, I assume, the person who made it just made them to look true. (laughs) But... (laughs) but, um, The numbers were very exact. (laughs) But, but... But but if you actually look at it, right, when you look at the number of shirts that they say we sold, it was like, if you actually added up a thousand baht per shirt, it was like 250 shirts or something. <laughs> so, like, no, 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 maybe like 2,500 shirts. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was something like that. But I mean, obviously that's not right. Yeah. Obviously it's many times that. So the numbers are wrong, but I think we are 10 times less than Boyaran and, and even way less than... Bigger teams in T2. I bet Sisaket sell more shirts than us. I bet, you know, these teams with big followings in, in Isan, I bet they ship more more mm. product than we do. That's I mean, ridiculous. I mean, look how many Balang walk around Bangkok wearing Buriram shirts who probably have never been to a Buriram game. But, you know, like I said earlier, they are the New York Yankees, the, the, the Real Madrid, the Liverpool, you know, uh, of, of Thailand. And also, I mean, Nguyen, 
as much as he's a, a sneaky little fucker. He, uh, he. <laughs> this is name. not the opinion of the sandpit. This is the I opinion try. of our guest, Mr. Toby Knight. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd like to say uh, hello to all my friends, <laughs> <laughs> Burra, uh, uh, as well. Uh, but you, you know, like he, Burra make their own shirts. I mean, only for their AFC, their works, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, and and you know that that's a masterstroke because they're cheaper as well. Uh, I mean, this season's was garbage, but you know, playing. Navy shirt yeah, looks good. I mean, how many teams do you know that play in navy? Hmm, good question. I yeah, I was actually thinking about this the other day. It's a Supanbury's is navy-ish. Navy-ish, sometimes. yeah, but yeah. it's it's a strange color to pick for a football team. But anyway, that's that's besides the point. He he is smart enough to make his own shirts and market them, and also he's got the number one. Well, not at the moment. You know, well done to Chang Ryan and, and all that. But you know he's got probably the biggest club in, in Thailand. He, he, he built it. Yeah, he, did, he didn't get that. He built that. It was P P E A before, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then he built it. But you know he he's done very well getting the message of Buriram. He's across. done he's done that in various ways. One of the things they did was they used to give shirts away with tickets when they first started wanting to shift loads of shirts they realised it would be a good idea to have everyone wearing a shirt. Mm. You know, cheapest kind of advertising Smart. is just whack a shirt on everyone. Well, so you buy, buy, a ticket, to buy a ticket to the game, get a shirt, and then in a, in a future season, they do it the other way around, buy a shirt, get into the game free. Right? So same difference. So, yeah. it's, so they've got brilliant strategies for doing that. If Port tried to do something like that, we'd have shirts all over the place. I remember when Chang first started sponsoring Everton. And I was visiting uh, here on holiday, and everyone was walking around. They got like a free, not 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 like the proper Umbro shirt, but they had like a kind of supporters shirt like that. And and everyone that 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 oh god, I must be going back 10, 15 years. But everyone was walking around wearing that shirt. It became almost like a fashion uh, item, you know. And and you know, Thais love wearing football shirts. So if there's a cheap football shirt available. You know, people will, will, will wear it, buy it and wear it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, this is perfect. I, I've asked this question to everyone, but it seems like it was just designed for you because we all know about your uh, your match day habits. So, uh, t- take me through a, a match day routine for Toby Knight. How, how does it work? How, what time do you get to the stadium? Uh, how, how do you get to the stadium? How do I get... Uh, normally... Uh, if, if I'm if I'm at home, I, I live only a few stops on the MRT, uh, the subway uh, system. So I normally just jump on that uh, to Queen Circuit and then get on a bike. Uh, when I used to be a school teacher, I could just walk in two minutes uh, to the stadium. I like to arrive about an hour before, uh, mainly because I have lots of friends now, uh, uh, foreign uh, friends, Thai friends. Uh, like I said I like the experience I like hanging out having a few beers catching up talking about football talking about life uh, it's it's a very friendly welcoming atmosphere outside the stadium uh, I never go in like to the stadium for the national Anthem. I'm always outside for that but uh, well I mean we can now go on to half time and, and I know where this question is heading uh, about uh, my beer drinking habits and my uh, 
lack of seeing goals in the second half. Um, well, do, you want, do you want to explain a bit about it? Well, it's called Toby Time, which is also going to be the title of this episode. I just thought it's definitely going to be called Toby Time. It wasn't going to be called <laughs> anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously Toby Time is the, the period at the end of a half or at the beginning of a half, depending. Um, when or both. To- where, or both. Where Toby is not in the stadium. Toby has a cold beverage in his hand and is stood in the sandpit. Yeah. Enjoying said beverage and uh, goals are seemingly freakishly often scored in that golden period of time yeah, we it, call Toby time. It's it's a kind of Bermuda triangle of a window, isn't it? Really, I I unless the game is compelling, I do normally leave a bit early just to beat the crowd. It's difficult getting out of zone B. Can be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's a scrum, and you know, if you're with people, and someone go to the toilet, someone get food, and someone get beer, and I just would rather kind of be out there and beat the crowds. I mean, you never really beat the crowds, but uh, but I, I just this thing kind of has taken on a life of its own, really, uh, and I think it's been embellished. I think I think one of the reasons is. You know, I, I like it. It centers on me. I get to, you know, I, I'm not normally the center of attention, but no, no, I, you know, I don't shy away from it. But uh, I mean, I don't even know how often we score around, say, minute 40 and minute, say, 60. I mean, I'm sure there's an equal spacing from zero to 90 of the goals. Oh, well, that's a really good question. I mean, some teams do. Uh, specialise in certain areas of games. That's not uncommon to find. I mean, there are definitely teams who are more likely to score later on in games. Yeah. Teams who are fitter, teams who, you know, who right. play a certain way. So, so it is possible that more goals are scored in that period. And, and Toby time works in both ways. We do concede as well as score. <laughs> it's just, it's just. Let, let's just clarify that it's just I miss goals. <laughs> but uh, what what's happened now is it's become a kind of cultish thing. Uh, I've written about this on on the sand pit. Uh, I'm a strong believer in relative thinking and psychological attribution. Basically, if you think something is the case, uh, then fine, you're you're right. You know, I'm not stopping anyone from uh, not scoring goals <laughs> uh, or not conceding goals, but uh, it just happens, and everyone is happy to go along with it. Me, you, all the other supporters, anyone who knows about it. It's 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 a bit of a joke, but you know it kind of has its own kind of uh, oh, what's it? The words escape me. Uh, it's become superstition. Part, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's become part of the experience. If you are one of the kind of group of us that stands in Zone B, there is that moment in every game where everyone thinks, right, we we really need a, a yeah, goal yeah. now. And then you might look around and oh, Toby's still here. <laughs> and, and that is literally one of the I, things I, we I've think. Had, it's had, hilarious. I've had people come up to me at the pan- and other stand and say, go, get out. And I've had people, I've had people message me whilst I'm outside saying, stay outside. <laughs> Keep staying outside. I can remember the first time I really remember it happening. It probably has happened several times was uh, the derby, the Wangtong derby, when we lost 3-2. And I missed all five goals they were all scored in like a crazy 10 minutes after half time and I was standing outside and Wang Tong had no away fans because they were you know it's the current situation so I didn't hear any cheering for their goals but I heard two cheers for our goals 
So, and also a, a little caveat. I brought a, a small bottle of whiskey, today, <laughs> uh, which I had in a hip flask, and that was drunk before half time but with several other people. So I was well on my way uh, there. But I remember like coming in, doing like a one man conga line into the stadium, and then I saw the score, and I just couldn't believe my eyes. I, I remember like, running up to people, like shake, grabbing them by the collar, and like going, "What happened? What happened?" Uh, but I think that kind of was the birth of Toby time. The fact that I just miss everything important. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. It's it's become a real kind of it's home game yeah. meme. Yeah. yeah. So um, we were getting a little bit before into. I mean, Toby time links with it. About what do you think is more important to your experience as a fan? The the football itself or the social aspects of being a fan? Good question. Really good question. Uh, it goes hand in hand, really. Uh, I mean, you are quite a, a knowledgeable football sporter. You've played quite a lot of football, yeah. so the, that has to be an important part of it. Right? Yeah, I mean, once I kind of learnt about the history of the club, and you know, like people said, you know, keep your expectations realistic. Uh, you know, I, I I understood that you know the football might be you know, a bit turgid and stuff. I mean, my first season as a supporter, we escaped relegation with about three or four games to go. But then last two seasons, third, third, and, you know, cup winners. We got the the 10-year monkey off our back as well. And, you know, by winning the cup, uh, I also, I like to say, I missed that goal because my girlfriend asked me to go and get some chicken outside. Uh, I would like to say hello to Judy and say thank you very much for that. Uh, but it's, it goes hand in hand, you know. Uh, I, you know. So if you were to put a percentage level of importance on, on the football aspect and the social aspect, it would be roughly 50-50? Yes, completely, completely. Uh, I don't, I think they're both equally important, uh, but, you know, I'm more than happy to go to a couple of crappy games and have a few beers with my friends and a laugh and a joke outside. And just as much as maybe I've got a lot of work on or I'm just busy with life and I get to the stadium by kickoff and I have to, you know, I've got work the next day and I shoot off at full time. You know, it, it it's not, I, I would say it's about each individual match day. It's about your, your experience in general and just your 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 feelings towards the club as 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 a whole, you know, nothing. You know, I I know that there are people in on the sandpit and imports in Facebook who are you know thousands of miles away, but they're still part of the club, you know, and they can't be there. But you know that feeling is the same feeling they have as you know us in the stadium at the same time, you know. That's that's the unique thing about football. It's uh, tribalism. Isn't yeah, it? We absolutely. can't. We can't go to war. We don't like. We don't go like uh, looting and pillaging and raping and stuff. That's been frowned upon. Uh, and and we, you know, people need that release as well. And you know, it's it's a camaraderie, a fraternity. It's it's a, a level of belonging with people. And and that's why football is such a great sport. Because it's part of the community, it's part, it's the friendship, and also it's the joy of seeing the team you support or the nation you support being successful. And that doesn't mean winning the competition, that could be winning a game, putting in a better performance. 
people forget football isn't just about lifting the trophy. Football is actually about being part of something. And I think that's, you know, we were talking about the pull of modern football and dragging this club into the modern age. People lose that aspect a lot. You know, football is massively oversaturated on TV. You know, if you wanted to, any weekend, you could watch eight, ten games if you wanted all around the world. You know, this weekend I know on in England they're showing the Copa Libertadores final for the first time. You know, yeah. midday today I watched Consadol Sapporo against uh, Jubilo Iwata. Exactly. No, no and, and that's a, that's a good thing and a bad thing. If you want to tune in and support Chanatip, you know, like, like I bet millions of times have done, excellent, great support. But at the same time, sometimes there is too much, and we always think about the glory of football. We don't actually think about the belonging, the the the, the actual feeling of football. I think football's been globalized and marketed to such an extent that we've actually lost sight of the community and the, the real reasons of forming a football club and supporting a football club. Hence, you know, earlier in the podcast, why I'm not a Barcelona fan, but I'm a Europa fan. You know, support your local club, be part of the community. It, it, you, you will feel good about it. Well, this, this came up in an interview I did recently with a with Mainstand, with a Thai um, publication. And it, it was a really big hit with Thai fans because a lot of them didn't really think about that aspect of it. I mean, because for the vast majority of Thai people who are interested in football, they watch football on TV. That's what football is to them. Football is watching a great team who oftentimes they know absolutely loads about some of these... Asian fans are so into Man United or Liverpool or, or yeah. whoever, and they know as much about the club and the history and the players as anyone, but they don't have that experience of the, all the stuff we've been talking about, about the match day experience. You know, they, they don't know like the Toby time of, of Arsenal. You know, they, they don't know the guy shouting peanuts outside the stadium. Exactly, and, yeah. and just... All it takes, really, is for some of the, someone to go once or twice to watch a team, and they can start to get that. And and like you were saying earlier, once you get that, you can take it wherever you go. So even the Port fans who are no longer here in in Bangkok are still part of the community because they have experienced it live. And and if they hadn't, they wouldn't really be part of the community in the same way. They could be part of a different community, an online community, or uh, you know something something like that. But it's just, it's so important to encourage people to go and watch football live. And it's for the football partly, but also everything else. That's yeah. what you get from, from that experience. I think people people miss out on, on something just by watching a game. On like 90% of it. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, like you're saying 50-50. For me, I would say more, more weighted towards the, the social aspect. So for me, you're missing like... I don't know, like 70% of the experience by, by watching it on TV, by not going to the stadium. Although, like you say, if you have been, then you can still kind of get that because you can still imagine what's going on at the stadium if you're not there because it's basically the same all the time. <laughs> we, we say the same shit every week. We do the same stupid shit every week. Yeah, I'm outside drinking a pint. We, we make the same jokes, the same things happen over and over again. But it's, yeah, it's, one it's brilliant. Of the, one that, of, is the, that is the experience. One me. of the best things... Uh, about like the last three years of being here and being a port supporter is the fact that I've got to travel around the country and go to places that I wouldn't normally like tick off as a traveller, like uh, Sukhothai, 
which is beautiful. And I, any listener here, I, I, I really recommend spending a weekend at Sukhothai. Uh, friendly people, UNESCO heritage site, and the stadium is so kind of ramshackle. The fence gives uh, <laughs> very easily and stuff. And, you know, going down to uh, Rayon and their amazing stadium. And, and you know, I... I look forward like every season to like new places to go to. I haven't been to Prachuat. Uh, I'm trying to think of a few other places. We've been unlucky with a few places. Prachuat has always ended up being on a, a Wednesday or a Sunday or some day where it's difficult to make it. We had we missed Buriram for like two, three years because it was always well, we were down one year and then the next two years the match ended up being on a Wednesday. And it was that, only and this that went really swimming this time around. <laughs> we finally got to uh, got to go there this season. And I, will, I will say about the Birmingham experience and, and there's a lot we could talk about it. Uh, but I, I actually really had a good time outside the stadium there with their supporters. Uh, not just the, the, the Falang, but also also their supporters. I thought they had a, a great setup outside there. And it's a good it's a bloody big stadium for uh, for Thailand as well. Uh, shame everything went so sour <laughs> afterwards. But uh, you know, as much as we can talk about Buriram, look, I remember some of Prakan away and their amazing pet shop opposite the away end, uh, which is very pacifying. A shop, um, that, a shop that was selling port and port futsal shirts, but not Samut Prakan shirts yeah, outside the stadium. Yeah, Kenny went up there, they, but they cost an arm and a leg. He Did came they? back, yeah, he they said... They priced them up. Yeah, he wanted like 1,000 to... Maybe they saw Kenny and was like, right, <laughs> <laughs> rubbing, his head, rubbing their palms with glee. But, uh, you know, those little aspects about travelling around this country, I mean, you, I know you've been here for, for a lot, much longer time than me, but it's a great way of actually going around. And, and also, you know, when a minivan door opens and they see a whole bunch of us jumping out. We are not what is expected at Thai football grounds. I mean, one or two Farangs in a tourist capacity or a local capacity, but, you know, seeing like two minivans of us turning up at like Ratchaburi and stuff, uh, going going nuts around the stadium, uh, is not expected. And I hope in, in some ways that we are benefiting uh, more than hindering. Uh, for, sometimes I feel like I'm a, I'm a bit of a hindrance in Thai football in general, but uh, that's a that's a conversation for another time. Uh, but you know, I hope that that what we're doing is benefiting things. I you know, I hope I really do hope that. Well, that's funny you bring that up. My my funniest anecdote, I suppose, about that. This must have been uh, from the year before you came to your first game, when we were in T two and. We had been banned from three for three games, maybe I don't remember. But anyway, fans were not allowed to go to Nakhon Patom away. Nakhon Patom is an extremely small place. The stadium is out of town, so it's it's just like a kind of rural village, almost uh, completely in the sticks. And obviously, the Nakhon Patom fans must have expected, you know, there'll be some people from from Port showing up and wearing a Thailand shirt or whatever and coming to watch the game, right? You, you always know people are going to game, game it and come in anyway. But we turned up with a minibus with 10 people in it. <laughs> and like, I don't know, maybe Nakhon Patan have some uh, Western fans. We didn't see any. I'm sure. I'm sure there aren't many. If there are, well, if there well, are, and, and ten of us got out of this van, and everyone just looked at us and like, "What the hell is going on?" Is this a T2 game? Or? This was a T2 game. Oh, okay. yeah. So this was the season we got promoted. Um, 
But yeah, we turned up at Nakon Patan with a with a minivan with ten of us when everyone knew that Port fans weren't allowed in. <laughs> it was just it was utterly ridiculous because you just get that look. Everyone knows instantly what's yeah. going on and what we're doing. But um it, they were actually it was a really, really great away day. It was it was probably my favourite of that year. And uh at the end of the game, us and a few other Port fans who were around us, basically it was everyone wearing a Thailand national team shirt, um, got uh, cheered by the Nakhon Patong fans in the in the way they do at the end of every game. They always cheer the opposition of fans, course, yeah. but they knew who we were and they they did the same for us then, which was absolutely brilliant. There was absolutely no hostility shown that, like that we had kind of snuck into their area and yeah. But it, that was such a nice experience. That was one of the one of the moments where I really uh, got to understand more Thai football culture and how it works and why I love it so much. Yeah, Thai football culture is brilliant. I, I, you know, there there is a uh, a lot of warmth from Thai people uh, when when you go on away days, and uh, I I know some some just stand and stare, and that that's fine. But you know, a lot of people come over to you, and, and I I remember Sukhothai because the stadium is quite far outside the city, and we had a a minibus full of uh, likely lads, and on the way to the stadium, we were blasting like 90s rave classics uh, like the Will Griggs on Fire song and like, or, like yeah, just just a sweet harmony got played uh, LFO and everyone was good and you know we just like, like slam open the minivan and jump out we're all pumped out and all these Sukhothai fans saw us and they just cheered. <laughs> and, and next thing you know some guy's got his arm around me and he puts a shot glass I mean, I don't. Yeah, know. I was going to yeah, say yeah. that was the beer vendors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beer vendors do cheer when they see us. But you know, there's a glass. You know, selfies, photos, and stuff. I remember also we we had a, a terrible afternoon at Police Terror uh, two seasons ago. We lost four four one? two four two. That's right. But our goals were right. a couple of late goals. Yeah, a couple of late goals. We we were dead after 60, 70 minutes anyway. And I remember a bunch of us staying after and Port fans staying. And there was just a, a, a great piss-up, really. Uh, you know, there was a guy, Thai guy with his guitar playing all the all the classics and stuff. Uh, there was a bit of a sing-along as well. There were flares and stuff. And, you know, people were, people were coming up and, you know, everyone was suitably lubricated as well. But I, I was very, you know, after a, four, four, a, a real terrible 4-2 performance... You know, you just want to normally go home, get on the train and go home. But, you know, it, just spending a few hours there after, it just puts everything in, in into a more realistic perspective. And, you know, like completely what this the recent thing, what we're talking about, you know, the experience, you know. And, and, and it also made me understand a lot more about Thai people, Thai culture, you know, you know, this sabai sabai, you know, my pen rai kind of stuff. But, you know, some of it does actually work on a level, you know? And it, yeah, it dovetails quite nicely with football, although it's hard for us to accept. It's Sometimes it's hard for us to participate in the things that Thai fans do. For example, after a particularly heated game, um, cheering the opposition's uh, name at the end of a game. Yeah, that's, right? that's, that's very difficult for us to do. But it's not difficult for us to... To see it and to appreciate it, but that—that's the thing. Like I don't do that. Yeah, 
Um, I have done it once or twice when it's been a team that I like or something, but in general, I don't do it. I I don't have a problem with that. I don't I don't take part in it. Uh, I mean, I sometimes I you know I think the opposition you know they're they're a shit house team or something like that. I, I'm not going to cheer them. You know, like it's a game. It's competitive sport. You know, that, that, that's that, that's what it is. My my bugbear really, uh, especially at the pat, is even when we lose when the flares come out at the end of the match. I and, and and all that singing and cheering, I I find that a bit too much, personally. I know they're liquored up, you know, they've been sitting outside drinking their their whiskey all afternoon and stuff. But I sometimes don't see the point in celebrating a defeat so well. You know, I understand the point is to have fun. Yeah, that, the point is the to point. have fun. The point is to be a supporter. But at the same time, I find that a bit galling from time to time, especially when it's a bad defeat. Yeah. I can understand. I can understand if it was a close run thing. We gave it a hundred percent, you know. But I, I, that's just a personal opinion. That's I, I'm not, you know. I, I don't know if, if many people share that opinion. But that's my only bugbear, really, of the supporters sometimes. Yeah. So um, we were talking a little bit before about about success, about how successful Port are. What What do you think success should be defined as now for Port? Well. It, we're, we're, as a team, we're transitioning into success equating to silverware. That's for sure. Hang's putting the money in. The players are better, much better than before. And the expectations are high. I honestly didn't think we could repeat third place. And I was pleasantly surprised. I was pleasantly surprised that with only two games to go, we still mathematically could win. And not, not like an outside shot. If we, no. if we had won a program, we would have had a, a, a very good chance. Yep. So that that's pleasing. Only a few years ago as a team, survival would have been enough. And yep. I'm not talking like mid-table, like that. Just surviving would have been enough. So I think we're transitioning now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, it's kind of season by season since we came up, let's say. The first season back, Madame Pang's stated goal was to finish in the top half. The fans' stated goal was to survive. We we all knew that wasn't important at all. Well, you've got we just aim, wanted to survive. You've got to aim higher than what yeah. you want. And then we did actually finish ninth. So we did finish in the top half, just. Mm-hmm. And then the next season, I think the aim was top five. Uh, Madame Pang told the, all the players and everyone, we want to finish top five and we finished third. And then the next season, I actually don't know what her aim was. But I don't even know if it would have been silverware. But if it was, again, we've achieved that. Mm. So we've achieved or met our kind of expectation or her expectation every year. This season has to be seen as a massive success. Absolutely. Even though we came short uh, on the league, we we were there or thereabouts. We we know where the damage was done. Uh, With choke. We have a very good coach. Uh, he has kind of improved what what Jadet has kind of built, and I once again in inverted commas built, uh, because you know I, I don't know how much is him and how much is Madame and how much is the coaching staff or all the hangers on, but Choke seems to have the right idea. I mean, the team performance in the cup final was excellent. Uh, mainly he, he got lucky in a way because Suicorn couldn't play and Go got to play his natural position and why we don't play him. And, I mean, this is a, this is a classic Paul thing. We've got Go and Suicorn, we've got Suarez and Sumania, 
we've got all these wingers. We've got we've got two of the same. We need some diversity for next season. Uh, I mean, I hear on the rumor mill we're going to bring in quite a lot of players. So I hope we don't bring in like for like players. I really feel that we need to bring in quality and we need to have kind of different skill sets. I mean, Tanabu, I know, once again, he's a very Marmite player. Uh, I know you're in the, in, in the negative camp, I'm a bit more in the positive camp. I think of Marmite <laughs> the same way I think of Tanabu. <laughs> and I think of Marmite the same way I think of Tanabu too. But, uh, Tanaboon's best game in a port shirt was the final. Go's best game yeah, in a port shirt was probably the final. Uh, he was very good in other games, but I mean, Go's just a class act. But, you know, we've had a season of playing players just a little bit out of position. You know, Go and Tanaboon have been playing five metres behind their natural position. You know, we've got Suarez and Sumania, the same, pretty much the same player. A few different aspects, technical aspects are different, but pretty much. You know the, the the number seven role. Yeah. You know like that. we've got all these wingers. We've got Neural. We've got Bodu. We've got Pakon, and now we've got Tanisir. You know what what we need to do is is recruit high quality, but recruit people who are not the same. Okay, and also we need one more centre back. I think that's imperative. Definitely. Definitely. I think I but I, I'm really keen that we take a punt. On, on one of the players I talked about in the uh, the ASEAN scout, scouting pieces I've been doing recently, um, Jesper Nightholm. The gay, uh, guy at the beginning, the guy at AIK? He's uh, without a club at the moment because his his contract ex- um, lapsed with that club. He, he has a leg broken oh, and yeah, he's been out guy. for 18 months. He hasn't played football for 18 months at all, but he is a Swedish top-tier standard player with a Filipino passport who we could bring in and use as one of our ASEAN quota players and get a defender who would be probably among the top five centre-backs in the league, I think. If that's if he can still play, right? Because he's had a, a serious... He would have to trial, surely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he wouldn't be fit immediately either. Mm. But th- the reason I like that so much is because that gives us the option of not using one of our three foreign player quota spots on a defender. Because mm. if you have a top-class ASEAN centre-back, then you can go for like three attacking players in that with the, the main quota, and that's just destruction. If you can do that yeah. and have a solid defence, you're the best team in the league. <laughs> you, you have to play your hand wisely with that. Uh, what I found with Port is we are unbelievably inept when it comes to transfer dealings uh, we, you know, it, it goes without saying I mean, we pull stuff and, and not just transfer dealing but also like who do we keep on like the Rochella the Boscovich situation things like that uh, you know the only question with our transfer transfer situation is whether we're going to balls it up at the start of the year or at mid-season <laughs> that's the only variety we see sometimes we wait until mid-season before we fuck it up, <laughs> well, we, we did it. That's the this year. Time to do it, but, uh, <laughs> we did it this year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I said at the end of last season, let's not try and get our hopes up because I thought third was an amazing performance, and I've been pleasantly surprised by what happened this season. Like, and it's been great being a supporter this season. 
but we still have to be very careful how we improve the team. I think we've got the coach in place, and I hope that the coach has more influence than Jadet has on how we recruit, on how the team plays football and team selection. Uh, I know how Thai football works, and I know there are people bending ears, you know, all the time. But it's crucial that we kind of identify the aspects which can be improved, and then go out and recruit or promote through youth. Maybe there's something there. My personal feeling is that the team should be built around only a handful of players. I think it should be built, built around Mitipong, Dola, Go, and Suarez. Uh, I know a lot of people will probably not say Suarez. I know he can be divisive, but I think on his day he's one of the best players in the league. Yep, and, absolutely. And that's not to say get rid of the other players. That's just to say that should be the core of the team. And we should be fitting in the same quality around those four players. I love players like Josimar, who I know he's limited in his skill set, but I thought his performances. I mean, I was shocked when I saw him playing as a winger, but he did excellent. You know, I I really like Bowden as well, but you know, let's be honest, his second half of the season was poor when you compare it to the first half of the Absolutely. season. And he needs to be he needs to be a whole season player. We can't carry people and I think Bowden did get carried in games. Absolutely. You know, I, I know Pakorn is if, if Tanabu is is Marmite, Pakorn must be some like souped up turbocharged uh Marmite. Uh, you know, I know the stats are getting worse. Pakorn's pickled herring or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I know the stats are terrible for him, but we know what he's capable of. I mean there is a lot of potential in, in our squad, but I think the answer isn't signing backup. I think the answer is signing quality and, and, and different types of quality to build around. I think Suricorn actually should fall into the, the build the team around, but the problem for me is go and Suricorn occupy the same space on the pitch. But uh, having two of them is better than having you know something rubbish instead. You know? So if if success is now defined by by silverware it kind of has to be it the is, way the yeah. last couple of seasons have gone how important is it to you as a fan that Port are successful that Port achieve what they should achieve and win more silverware in the, the coming years that's a that's a even better question I, I would say it's not that important I mean let's let's see we won the cup last year there was a gap 10 years before that what else have we won before those two promotion <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Football is about winning the competition, sure, but it's also about you know putting in a good performance and you know playing to the best of your ability. I would happily accept losing a game if we gave maximum effort. As as an Arsenal fan, I can think of several games where we've lost. Uh, the most vivid being that FA Cup semi final where Ryan Giggs dribbles through us at the end. Uh, which always gets repeated. The, the hairy every, chest, the hairy yeah, chest celebration. That goal gets repeated every season when the. It's FA an iconic Cup. moment. I know, I know. I just get sick and tired uh, of that as an Arsenal fan. But you know, I remember that game uh, because before that happened, Burkham had a penalty saved as well. So we had the opportunity to win the game. But I and United went down to ten men, were they? I can't remember. Well, United went on to win the treble. So hats off to them for that. Uh, I remember watching, and I was very young watching that game, and I, I, I wasn't angry or upset at the end of that game because I knew it was a, it was a battle. 
you know, and and it's the same when I watch Europa. It's the same when I watch Paul. If we if we play to the best of our ability, we represent the club, we give maximum effort, and we try our hardest. I see you know one to eleven trying their hardest, and we lose. Then fine. One one of the problems towards the end of the Jadet season was it was clear the players had a been briefed well or they didn't understand their roles and seeing them on the pitch they look lost and that, and that and that's hard to, to, to take in as a supporter because I expect you know from Monday to Friday on the training pitch not just them to be honing their skills but for the management and the training staff to be telling them what to expect on the weekend and what you should be doing on the pitch that's imperative they should be. They should know exactly what's coming at them. Uh, I mean, I go back to Samuel Pukam, you know, and I can remember the season before that Bangkok loss. Teams can murder us very quickly, you know, and, and you know we do. Our defenders do get sucked in, and you know that's something that should really be eradicated. Choke has got our team playing with much more in a much more assured manner, and that's great. And I feel like they know what they're doing on the pitch now, and that's what I want to see. Okay, I, I can see that point of view, but I think we still have the same problem. I don't think Choke solves the one problem that Jadet really had, which is we have to be able to beat Bangkok United and Buriram to win the league. We can't afford to lose 10 points out of uh, 12 from those against those two teams. Mm. We won't win the league but if, that, if, that, if we just, do that every year. That's not just a 1-11 to 11 problem. That's a club problem. This is what we've been talking about in the last uh, couple of hours. It's about improving every aspect of the club, not just the players. I don't think that we... think it's kind of a mentality problem or what? I think it's I, I think partly mentality, part, partly that Bangkok United, Buriram, Mang Tong, Chiang Rai are better organised clubs. They have better facilities. They have better infrastructure. They are ahead of us, and we and you know what we've been talking about earlier about you know all this investment's been great and stuff. And do we want to lose identity? But you know the the core thing is we're not as well structured as these clubs, and I don't know what their scouting network is like. I don't know how you know the the, the real nuts and bolts of these clubs. But I know that they're ahead of us. And, and, and that really does communicate a lot on the pitch. You know, you know the, the, the better run the club, the better run the team. Not all the time, not in, a, not, not in every case. But you can see that with Buriram. You can see that with, I mean, Wang Tong, I mean, it's been hilarious this season how poorly they've done. But I can tell you, next season, they'll be there or thereabouts. Yeah. That's because they, they have the structure in place. They just made a few big mistakes. And and it came and, and it came back on them, bit them on the arse. Yeah, I think maybe a good way to a good way to build on that would be when Port experience adversity in a big game against a team who we maybe feel like we are inferior to. Mm. That's when we really have problems because we don't. Sometimes we can't fall back on kind of a the experience of beating these teams, yes. but also a coached pattern of play of what you do when you're under the cosh what you do when you're in trouble everyone just 
changes the way they play and keep it simple for yeah. five ten minutes and yeah. just don't concede a goal for the next five ten minutes. Yeah, the psychological else. aspect. Yeah, and yeah. we we don't really have that about us, do we? Do you think a foreign coach would make a difference for Paul? It would certainly make a difference whether or not it would be a positive change or a negative change is, yeah. is the question. I'm, no, I, mean, no I, I don't I don't think it would be an improvement. So, I mean, everyone always talks about Mano Polking when people talk about foreign coaches because he is a fantastic, um, not just a coach, but he is one of maybe the only manager in T1 who actually controls the entire club and, and runs it as an English-style manager would. I don't think he would be successful at Port. I don't think he'd get on well because you have to learn how to how to live with the situation that exists and at port the situation that exists is <laughs> is that yeah. madame pang is in control she she will run things her way and you have to accept that yeah, as you the manager. will be directed yeah. and both jadet and choke have proven to be very very good at that like they they know exactly their place according to her you know they they know exactly the role that's being prescribed to them and they are happy to fulfil it. They won't complain. They won't. Um, and and so, so what, what? What's the difference between Jadet and Choke then? How would how would you I see? I, see I think this is probably quite controversial. I just think Jadet better. <laughs> I think Jadet was a better coach. I, I think Jadet's ability to motivate the players and and that ran out in the end, right? That ran out after it can two only and a half so years, fast. right? Yeah. Um, I think let's look at Choke in in a year, let's look at Choke in six months, will he have achieved what Jadet achieved in terms of the performance of the team in that period of time? I don't think so. I think Jadet was underrated. I think he did a brilliant job motivating I the agree. team. I think he got them playing exciting football. Um, it's so important for players to, to enjoy being on the pitch and playing a certain system, playing a certain style of football. And whether or not Jadet did all this kind of nuts and bolts coaching and, and prepared specific players for positions, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But the players enjoyed playing for him. And I I don't see that as much from Choke. So I think Choke will run out of steam faster than Jadet did. I think performances will start to go down and he'll be got rid of and... But that's a controversial opinion. But that is a controversial. I mean, I hope not. I, I, I mean, it doesn't matter who's managing. I just think playing, he was. I'm always supportive. I just think he was lucky. This, I, I like. Honestly, here, here we go. <laughs> I just, I just think he was lucky. I, I don't think like. Here's the, a real moment in the podcast, isn't it? Was, was I? I don't think Trump was lucky. I think we no. Got, honestly, we, we when we when we were there. playing Josimar right wing, that was ridiculous. Yes, but I don't worked. care. No, no. We were lucky in those games. We were lucky. We played like shit and we won. We didn't deserve to win those games. And Choke doesn't deserve any credit for that at all. It was just lucky. <laughs> that was a bad decision and he got lucky. I, I, I like how balls out you are with this opinion. Uh, and the, it's valid. But for me, Choke is a bit more astute on the training ground. And I agree. Jadet definitely was a father figure. He, players definitely wanted to play for him, but I think sometimes when it came to not general tactics but the finer nuances of tactics, I think he got found out there. And I think Choke probably doesn't have a better tactical awareness, but I think he understands coaching and training better. That's entirely possible. Yeah, yes. and I think that's where he flourishes, and I think that's what we saw in the FA Cup final performance. We were not swashbuckling adventurers like going to take down uh, Rappery, you know. 
we we did it in a very calm, cool, considered method. And th- and this is why I like Jeanette better because under Jeanette we twatted Ratchaburi four 0 away. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 like a Kevin Keegan fan, aren't you? I, I, I don't care. I don't care how how many goals we score as long as we score more, more than them. Uh, and that that's great. I mean, but it doesn't really win you much, you know. And that, I mean, that's supported by the fact that we won an FA Cup. But again, I, I put that down more just to luck. I, I think it's always luck when you win a cup. Like, we didn't win the league. We won, we beat the teams who we had to beat. And some of the games we were but, lucky. We won. We should, never have, we should never have beaten Bangkok United. But that's the thing. The, the cup run was immense. Beating all those teams on the way to the final. I mean, I, I you know, if we had missed out on the cup, yeah, sure, I'd been gutted. But to, to do Wontong, Chiang Rai, Bangkok, I mean, Bangkok United was a big one. That was a huge monkey off our It was back. a big one, but again, I just, that was lucky. Yeah. Oh, lucky as <laughs> hell. It was big, it was wet, it was, it was a horrible game to stand in. Uh, I, I'm impressed we no one got a cold or got hospitalised with pneumonia uh, in, in, in that game. But, uh, you know, that people don't really look back on that cup run because they, all they see is us lifting the trophy. And, and, and that's the problem sometimes with football. We just look at the silverware. We never think about how we got there or the effort we put in or the style of play, the performance, what the individual did, you know? It all comes down to Suarez banging a goal in just after half-time, which I missed, uh, <laughs> and, and, and lifting the trophy, you know? And, and, and that's the weird thing about football. That's the image everyone will remember, like celebrating with the cup on the... You know, Instagram, you know, for the next two weeks, all the players were posting pictures of them on the pitch with the cup with their girlfriends, wives, you know, family and stuff. But everyone forgets about that. Okay, the first round, we smashed those. Uh, Sukhothai, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, we, we worked our way through some big, big teams. We did. And no one no one remembers that bit. And that's that's kind of one of the frustrating things. We, we should be championing that more. I mean, we're not going to release the DVD or anything. That, those things don't happen anymore. But we forget like the, the hard work that well, went into that cup. Run. Fortunately, we're releasing the podcast. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. So let's let's kind of construct a alternative situation for a minute, uh, where we've talked about success. We've talked about how I think you said that Port being successful, achieving what it should achieve isn't very important to you as a fan because because you do care about the social aspect that that is quite important to you so everything's important but i can accept you could not, you can accept not being successful, way. but yeah. let, let's imagine a situation where things radically change at port where maybe we don't have money anymore maybe we um get relegated maybe not once but twice how would that affect your situation as a, as a port fan. I, I, I'm too invested or deep in this for that to have any effect anymore. That's, that's probably the beautiful thing. Like, it, Port very quickly became my team here. And, you know, it's... You know, I can watch Arsenal uh, on TV. Uh, I can stream see Europa if I want to. But, you know, Port's my team. I, I look at the fixture list. I plan according to the fixture list, uh, much to the annoyance of my my, my girlfriend and uh, my, my, my employers. But uh, it is my team. I, I, I know that I've been very lucky. I've only been here for three years and I've seen radical positive change 
And I know you guys have been down to T2. Has Paul ever been in T3? No, no. No. But, you know, people say to me that the season, the last season down in T2, like you were just telling that anecdote, uh, was uh, a bloody laugh, you know? And, you know... What 16 you... more stadiums to visit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, more of the country to see. But, 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 but that's the thing, you know. I can remember... It was Hawkers or someone else telling me the story that when they got relegated, Thai fans were coming up to the Phalang saying, Thank you very much for coming, shaking their hand and whining them, thinking that this was the end of the relationship. Wow. And, yeah, and then next season, they were, you know, everyone was back on the terraces again and they, was, they were happy to see them and surprised. And, and, you know, Thai culture, they just think, Right, we're going we're gonna to just break up with them, drop them uh, like a stone. I really, I really don't care where Paul is playing. You know, I'll, I'll go and watch them. One, one aspect of that which I think makes it a little bit more challenging is you have to build into the narrative that the fans aren't going to turn up anymore. A massive amount of fans sure. aren't going to turn up anymore. There will, of course, be be the hardcore that we know. And but imagine a Pat Stadium where there were. Uh, 75% of the vendors aren't there. Imagine a packed stadium where there are a thousand people every week. Well, I think the vendors would be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there are a thousand people, it's, then there's there's not enough people to buy all maybe, the Maybe, maybe. I mean, I mean, for the vendors, I know, I know that that's, that's a massive part of their income. I, I, I would feel terrible if the vendors couldn't come, you know. Uh, that, that, would, that would be more horrible than the lower crowds, wouldn't it? If, but you know, when teams get relegated, you know, people will go away, and that's fine. That that's a choice. Okay, I I'll still be there. I know, Telgate will be a vocational group. The you know, Zone D Parkour will be there. I know there will be the familiar faces, and you know, if in this hypothetical we go down, then hypothetically we come back up again, and those people will come back. Remember, Port Port. Is, is a bit of an anomaly because we are a local club and the local people support us. You know, Bangkok United, Wang Tong, Glass, uh, you know, they are, I mean, sure they have local supporters, but they're, they're a kind of bigger picture team, aren't they? You yeah. know, people get drawn into them just because of who they are, just because they're bigger, just because they're higher up the table. But Port, Port is Port. Port is unique uh, in in football it, 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 it's not just a football club it's a community it's a passion and and the community and the passion drives things forward uh, we should always remember that yeah absolutely good answer good answer um, yeah, that was that was a bit <laughs> that was like real table thumping stuff <laughs> so uh, we're getting on to the, the last few questions kind of a short punchy few questions who's Port's best player Suarez. Yeah. Okay. I've heard I, that a few I, times. I, I, I was, and uh, no, that was a long pause. I was going to say Sonnen, uh, or Nitti Pong, as you like to call him. He's great. He is up there. But the player who changes games is Suarez. Uh, season before last, first half of that season, completely unplayable. He should be playing deeper, really. He should be playing behind a number, number nine. He should be the number 10. Uh, that in an ideal world. But... Uh, we all know he's got some serious talent. Can't, he's can't got, he's got talent. I, I think yeah, if if I could, you know, you know, I'm not going to change my answer. I I think that Selenon is a class class act. 
uh, and I think he, he I think so, I think he could go to Japan. I think he could really go go leave this country and be a great player. He would be specifically good in Japan, yeah. like <laughs> yeah, the way I mean, he plays. They would love his work rate is amazing, but for for talent and skill for that game changing ability, it has to be Suarez. And who's your favourite player? Can I say Pele? Of course, of course. I, this, I, this is a Pele-friendly house. <laughs> a, yeah, we are wearing Pele here. Pele's that, shirt is somewhere, probably I, in my I, washing basket, because I, I wore it last night. I, I, do, <laughs> I, I do have a, a, a soft spot for the lesser celebrated players. We should mention, by the way, that we are talking about Atit Butchinda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not to say he... I mean, I, they're all my favourites and stuff. I, I, I think that Dollar is a great player as well. Uh I know that Cyril. I, I would say for me, Cyril Corn is, is a favourite, but I know he's a favourite a lot. I mean, I completely understand that. But I, I, I was thinking about well, because you sent me the, the photos for your fancy dress party <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I, I actually made me consider Pele because I, I think he's. I don't know if he's local. He's not local, no. but uh, but he, he, he's honest. You know, he he has a limited skill set, and I like his endeavour. On the pitch, the most like like terrible thing was that miss at Korat because you weren't just watching him miss a, a, a goal; you were watching his career just go down a few runs. You know, uh, he I like cult heroes as well. We don't call him Pele for nothing. Uh, <laughs> I actually I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed having uh, Tony Blackburn uh, in the team. I know everyone like like called him. Every name under the sun. Oh, he had his moments, though, didn't he? But he did a job, <laughs> you know. Like, like he played know, a role. You know, to score on your first game against Wangton, to put him out of the cup. Yeah, sure, it's a chappy assist. Sure, but you know, he actually he actually came up with the goods more often than not. I know he was a very lethargic player, but he actually did did a job. It's something I have a WhatsApp group with some friends back home, Arsenal fans. And we talk about players doing a job. Not about playing well, doing a job. On the pitch, do what your skill set and what your instructions are. And Artit and Blackburn did a job. Okay? That's not to say they're good players, they're far from good players. <laughs> okay? You know, and that's why people I think get annoyed with Pacorn and Neural, because they don't do their job. They just play their football. And I think that that's that's the thing here. Well, yeah. So um what other teams? Let's let's go for one team that you particularly like, and one team that you particularly dislike. <laughs> in Thailand. In Thailand. Okay, teams I like. Well, uh, I know that we have a fraternity with Chombri, and uh, they are very good fans to mingle with. Uh, other teams I like: uh, Port Futsal. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah. that, that that needs to be mentioned because I do like going to watch the futsal team. Teams I don't like. Uh, Okay, well, Mangtong's too easy. I, I don't like Buriram because I think they've been getting away with murder for too long. I think they're a great team and I don't think they need, once again, I say this in inverted commas, the assistance of the referees and linesmen. I think, I don't know how I'm going to choose my words carefully and what I say now is uh, <laughs> my own personal opinion, not the opinion of the sample. But... Uh, <laughs> Well, do you remember when Man U were really good in the 90s and stuff, and the referees would let them get away with murder as well there? There, there were stats on how many penalties they 
you know, were given at Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it was I, outrageous. I, I remember Spurs playing at Old Trafford and was it Mendes? Pedro Mendes? He did this lob, like a nine from the halfway line lob. And whoever was in goal, it went Roy over. Carroll. Roy Carroll, thank you. <laughs> glad you remember. But see, you don't forget these moments. And it went clearly over the line. About, like the, about a yard. Yeah, <laughs> about line, yeah. And it was things like that. Like, I also remember their first Premier League, the, the, when they beat Sheffield Wednesday at home and Fergie and Brian Kidd were on the pitch celebrating. Those goals were scored in like the 92nd, 96th, maybe. Or they were definitely scored in injury time and stuff. And, you know, that's why I don't like Buran because they're a great team. They have some, I mean, Diogo, when he was there, was a great player. What's the name of that number six they've got, the wing-back player? Sasolak? Yeah. He's a good player. Class act, class act. And play, teams like that don't need that assistance. Just play your football. I mean, the Buran game this season away, we lost the better footballing team, but the referee was the, the key deciding factor there. I would rather, you know, that didn't... Of course, it's tight football, this is what happens. Any other teams I don't like? No, I mean, on match day, I don't like... Uh, Ubon. Mm. Yeah, they were shit houses when they played two seasons ago. That was, that was really bad. That's an interesting one to bring up because I believe they now have been booted into T4. Ubon have. Well, people, <laughs> people who went away to Ubon said the nicest things about their fans... Yeah. Apparently the fans were brilliant, but I, their team was horrible. <laughs> I completely agree. It, it, it was a victor team, it, it, so so yeah. you get. In general, fans are brilliant, though. We have to say that. I people did say that they were specifically some of the nicest fans they'd ever met. Ubon. I mean, we haven't touched on like kind of like problems with fans and stuff. We've, we've alluded to it on the, on this podcast, but you know, I I you know I hear stories about things that happen around the pat and the way days. I know what happened at the Super Chalice side many years ago but you know I've seen aggression and I've seen heated moments but I've never seen it kind of kick off in the three years of being a sport I've seen it come very bloody close <laughs> but uh, I've never seen it go go tits up so to speak so you know my, my experiences of fans are positive that doesn't mean the team's good or teams you know like Ubon when they came to the pad they were terrible I've never I mean I've seen time wasting you know countless games but I've never seen it done in such a kind of niggly nasty way okay so uh, final question where are Port going to finish next season let's have a prediction hopefully higher let's say let's say higher well you've got to you've got to aim to be better but uh, I will you've got to aim to be better but you think we'll be better you think we'll finish higher you've got to remember next season we may not have the same opportunities we had in terms of the teams around us not uh Playing to their potential. True, I think I think also people are going to look at us in a different yeah, perspective and, and and play up a bit more. Let's see. I hope we can improve. I, I'm going to be pragmatic and say it, it might not be possible, but let's see what happens in the next uh, next few weeks. The next few weeks can be very interesting because we we've got AFC before we've got our game against Chiang Rai. Twenty first of February. We have our AFC game. We expect that we'll be playing Ceres Negros of the Philippines. Which, um, which will be a tough That will be a very, very tough game. Um, but it could also be... So it's Shan United against... Shan United of Myanmar against Ceres Negros of the Philippines in the qualifier for the right to play us. And uh, yeah, I know 
more than I should about Serif Negros because <laughs> they're uh, Stubler's Stubler's old, old team. team. So yeah. I've so I've chatted about them with him, and I've also looked at a lot of their players in the research for the for the articles I've been doing recently about ASEAN scouting because they've got loads of half European, half Filipino players, and they are basically Stubler described it as they are the only team in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. They're the only real football club that's actually like. A functioning, a functioning uh, club, but uh, they they had last time I talked to him a big dispute going on between uh, the owner and members of his family who also own shares. That led to players like Stoibler just being told, "Leave if you can. Um, you can leave for free at any point, and um, because we want to get you off our wage bill." That issue has now been solved. Okay, so so Serres so so aren't collapsing. They're still going to have Stefan Schrock, who's an absolutely superb player. They're still going to have some big, tough, quality players that we're going to have to, to deal with. And this game will be played in somewhere in Bangkok, yes? It will be played, yes, somewhere in Bangkok. We don't yet know where. We know that we are not going to pass the, the AFC standards test for our stadium. We will not be playing at Pat Stadium. Um we could be playing at any of the other Bangkok stadiums which pass that standard. I believe there are six in the whole of Thailand. I assume the Thundercastle is one of them, so so that leaves maybe four or five in Bangkok that we could play in. Tamasa, should qualify? Rajamangala? I don't know. I don't know the specifics. Okay, okay. Well, well hopefully, I mean, I, I would like a trip to Japan. That, <laughs> that, that, that would be uh, immense. So yeah, we should say if we do beat Ceres, then we go on to play... The second place team from the J League. Second place. Yes. Oh, okay. okay. It says Japan three on on the thing on the, uh, the Japan chart two we've looked is a at. Cup Japan two is a cup winner. Japan ah. three is the second place team. Okay. Okay. So, but they're all that, all the teams seem to be Tokyo based or around Tokyo. So, yeah. Like any Port fan listening, like uh, you can book a ticket for Tokyo, and you're probably have a great great away day or a and, nice holiday. And one of the teams in the mix is, interestingly, uh, is it Yokohama Marinos? I want to say uh, that's with the name of the team. With one of our old friends, a player who we love to greet every game. Uh, we talk about Tiraton, a former Mung Tong player. Who, yeah. who did great in the international the other week. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. He's had a great season for his club, though. He's, he's actually had a really good season they're, in Japan. They're closing in, aren't they, on, on me? I mean... Let, should we rewind to that question? Because, you know, I, I honestly think we have the potential to go higher, but whether it's possible with, like I said, these teams with this better infrastructure and these technically better players, you know, that that's a big question. I, I hope we invest well in the next few weeks so that those players, if we need to call upon the new recruits for the AFC game, they're they're ready to go. I mean, it's it's a bit of a weird ask, like telling these players, right, your first big game is going to be this qualifier or two qualifiers, because then we'll have the Champions Cup uh, yep. after that. So you know, our preseason Port is, against Chiang Rai. Our preseason has just become very, very uh, tasty uh, all of a sudden, and that's great. I mean, that's great as a Port fan. This is what we want. I mean, I don't know how feasible it is us winning both of those games, but let's let's give it a bloody good try, you know. Absolutely. And on that note, thank you very much, Mr. Toby Knight. It's been uh, lovely having you around my dining room table. Thank you. Thank you for uh, 
inviting me and it's been a pleasure talking to you for the last few hours. Awesome, brilliant. Um, see you guys soon. Goodbye.